Pastor Chris's podcast. So for the season of uh, for the season of Easter this year, I challenged you to read the book of Acts, 28 chapters. So hope that you've been doing that. It's not too late to start. We still have 2 weeks until Pentecost. And so maybe now is the time for you to to catch up or to get started and read those 28 chapters of the story of Acts. And be sure to wear your red on June the 5th as we celebrate Pentecost Sunday, the day that we remember Christ uh, sending the Holy Spirit to fill his church. And in that story, they talked about flaming tongues of fire dancing over the heads of all of the believers who received that Holy Spirit uh, which is why we, we wear that red on Sunday mornings. Um, there are seven Sundays in the Easter season. And then there's Pentecost Sunday. Today's the sixth Sunday of Easter. Easter is such a powerful event. The resurrection of Christ is so wonderful. You can't just handle it all in one Sunday. Plus, Jesus was alive and on the earth For 40 days from the time that he walked out of the tomb until the day he ascended into heaven. So if you're counting, Easter was on April the 17th and that's 35 days ago. So therefore, this Thursday would mark 40 days. And that's why this Thursday is known as Ascension Day, the day that Christ uh, ascended into the clouds of heaven. That would mean that that, that's Ascension Sunday. That would mean that next Sunday, because we don't have church on Thursdays typically, so we usually have Ascension Sunday the very following Sunday. But I'll be out of town next week, so I want to cover that story today. And so we're going to read it from Acts chapter 1, verse 3 through 11. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. And I want to just pause here and say, it proved to them that he was actually alive. Now, there are many people in the world today who are not Christians, who do not necessarily believe that Jesus rose from the grave. They may even like the story and the ideas of Jesus, but they don't believe that he actually is alive, that he actually rose. But I want you to know, I actually believe Jesus rose from the grave. He spent 40 days talking with people and convincing them that it was actually him, that he actually was alive. And so Christianity... Real Christianity is not something that we're pretending. It's not just positive, happy stories we're telling each other. This is what we believe, that our Lord is alive. And that changes everything. Because if he's not alive, then then we're in big trouble. It doesn't matter. And we're not just pretending. We really believe this. And going on in verse 4. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse six. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, Has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, 
The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. So I'll just comment here and say that if there's anyone out there that thinks they know or tries to talk about this date or that time, they are one, either mistaken, or two, they are lying. They do not know. And people for 2,000 years have been looking at world events and they have been saying, oh, this has happened and that has happened. It must be imminent. And yet here we are 2,000 years later. And there are, is indeed a lot of crazy things going on in the world. But it could be another 2,000 years before Christ comes. We do not know. We know that we are living in the end times. But that means that everything has happened that needs to happen except Christ to come back. That means we are in the end, but we don't know how long that end time will go on. So we're still waiting. Verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching. They could no longer see him. And they strained to see him rising into heaven. Two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken, taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Jesus' ascension reminds us of an essential truth that we must not forget. This world is not our home. It wasn't Jesus' home. Not the world as we see it today. Not the world as we know it is not the way it was meant to be. But Jesus left the glory of heaven where everything was perfect, where he belonged. He left the glory of heaven to be born as a baby. He came and he lived on this earth amidst our brokenness and our sin. Not because it's what, where he belonged, but it's because he came to rescue us. And he lived on this earth for 33 years. He, his public ministry was three years. And he lived on the earth in resurrected form after Easter for 40 days. And then he returned to his rightful place in heaven, sitting at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, as we say in the Apostles' Creed. And I can't help but think about this idea of being where you don't belong. I can't help but thinking about the graduates and all the pictures that we're seeing of them on, online, on social media, and maybe we've attended graduations for these young people. They spent 13 years of their life attending school and maybe they go on for four or more years in college. And education is a huge chunk of their life. And all of us sitting here today probably spent a great portion of our life in school. Um, maybe I saw a picture this morning of Tom Dixon's first class that he taught at Pleasant Grove Elementary School. So even Tom, you know, has had a 
an important part of his life was in education. But these students, although all of us have spent a good portion of our life in school, we don't, it wasn't, that wasn't what life was all about. Education was to prepare us for what was to come. It was to prepare us to live. And we would be, we would, we would know that something was wrong if someone never left school, if they just stayed in school as a student forever, because the goal is that they will graduate, even though that that is sometimes bittersweet when we see that transition take place. But the point of education is life. Jesus' time on earth and his ministry was to prepare the disciples and us for something. What? Well, we have a job to do. And Jesus told us what our job is in verse 8. You are to be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. We are called to be witnesses for Jesus. In other words, we are to tell people what we know about Jesus. What we know about him, how we have experienced him, how he has made a difference in our lives. We're to be telling people about that. And of course, people like to point out a truth that you can witness by both what you say and also what you do. And that is so true. What we do is often more important than what we say. And if you say things but don't do things, um, it becomes very clear that it's just words. Of course, sometimes when we say that you can be a witness by what you do and not just by what you say, we use that as an excuse. Because, honestly, we, we often feel uncomfortable talking to people about our faith, telling them what Jesus has done for us. Which is kind of ironic because we don't have any problem at all talking about our girlfriend or our boyfriend or our spouse or telling people about some experience that we had that was so amazing when we went to the Grand Canyon or something like that. But we feel uncomfortable talking about Jesus. See, we don't just show people um, how much we love our spouse by what we do. We also tell them. And we should tell people with Jesus as well. But we should also live for Jesus. But what does that mean, to live for Jesus? To show people, to be a witness for Jesus by what we do means fighting for the oppressed. It means helping people who are in need. It means giving to the poor. It means clothing the naked. It means giving, making sure there is justice, making sure we fight for the truth. It means showing mercy. If we're going to be a witness for Jesus by what we do, it may oftentimes mean we have to forgive someone who has done something bad to us, who doesn't deserve forgiveness, and yet we forgive them. Living for Jesus and, and being a witness for Jesus by what we do is what this pastor was probably doing. Marita Harrell, as she ministered to a man who obviously had some mental health issues, and yet she lost her life in the process. So it can be easy to say, well, I will be a witness. I'm not going to talk about Jesus. I'm just going to show people by how I live. But are you really 
showing people by how you live. There's an interesting thing about the word witnesses in verse 8 when Jesus says, you are to be my witnesses. The original Greek word that is used is martyrs. You see, prior to Christianity, the word martyr just meant witness. You would call your martyrs up on the stand to take the oath and to testify. That's what the word martyr means. Originally, it meant you were a witness. It only became what we know it today. If we say the word martyr, we immediately think of someone who has died for their faith. And that is because of what Christians did. Because Jesus called them to be martyrs. He called them to be witnesses. And of course, the authorities at the time said, stop talking about Jesus. Because you're telling everybody that we killed him. And you're telling them that he rose from the grave. And you're telling him that he is Lord of all. Stop telling people about Jesus or we're going to execute you. And the Christians said, you do what you've got to do. Take our lives if you must. We are not going to stop being witnesses for Jesus. And that is how the word martyr evolved to mean someone who has died for their faith. And that's what we are all called to be. You are to be my martyrs. Telling people about me everywhere. Even if it costs you everything, even if it costs your life, you are to be my witnesses. Everywhere. We're supposed to be a witness willing to die for the truth everywhere we go. Many of you will be going on vacation or taking trips this summer. Maybe you go visit family or you go on a vacation or you go to Disney or somewhere else. I'll be going on a trip this week. We had planned this trip two years ago um, to celebrate Abigail turning 13. Then COVID struck and then all the plans got canceled. So now she's 15 and we're finally going to be able to take our trip flying to Portland, Oregon. And then we're going to drive down the West Coast to see the Redwood Forest. Um, so it'll be a fun trip, hopefully a great experience to celebrate her growing up. But we'll, whether you take a trip, wherever you go, maybe you'll be away, you'll be around people who don't know you. They will be, you know, maybe here in this small town in which we live, everybody knows you're a Christian. Everybody knows you go to church on Sunday, you pray and all of those kinds of things. But you're maybe going off somewhere where you'll be around people who don't know anything about you. They don't know that you're a Christian. That can be kind of freeing sometimes, right? What is it the saying they say? What, stay, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Uh, those people don't know you. You're not damaging your reputation because you're not going to ever see them again, maybe. But are you going to be a witness everywhere you go? Are you going to live in such a way that what you do testifies that you belong to Christ and that he is someone who has changed you forever, for the better. We are called to be a witness everywhere we go by what we say and what we do. And then the passage ends with the disciples staring up into heaven in amazement. And I imagine them there with their gazes up in heaven and their jaws firmly planted on the ground. And they're just staring there 
standing there. What have we just seen? What kind of supernatural thing was this? That a man who was alive, who was a physical person with skin and scars that you could touch and see, and he ate breakfast with us this morning, and suddenly now he has floated up from the ground and disappeared into the clouds. And I don't know how long they stood there. If it was me, I would have been there standing there for a long time. And they probably were too. Because suddenly two white-robed men had to come up and be like, Hey guys, wake up. Why are you staring up into heaven? And they said, Jesus has been taken away from you into heaven. But someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. And that tells us something important. Jesus is coming back. And we don't know when, but we know he's coming. How will he find you when he comes? Will he find you faithfully doing what he told you to do? Will he find you being a witness, a martyr who's completely committed to his kingdom and its mission, no matter what the cost? I pray he will find us faithful. So let us pray. Gracious Lord, you have given us a job to do. And we honestly stand here realizing we're not really up to the task. It's overwhelming. And so we pray for your spirit to fill us, to empower us, to enable us to truly be faithful witnesses everywhere we go, who, who truly live up to this task of doing whatever it takes to tell people how you have been our Lord and how you've changed us forever for the better. So that they too might know the good news, that there's forgiveness of sins, that there's hope for eternal life, and that there is life abundance in this world. And even if we lose everything, even if we lose our very life, we've already won everything because we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. This world is not our home, but we belong to you. So help us, Lord, in our need. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.